The following podcast contains explicit language. I can't believe we just finished the first day of our last episode. No, I can't wait until we finish the last day of our last episode. Then we'll go to Kiwami and sleep. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 18 years, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this episode, we discuss the art of conversation, because Hollywood is not only about who you know, it's about how you interact with the people you know. And then Liz and I debate remodeling. Should I begin the journey of renovating my house or move? I have strong opinions. And then we've got a dinner party Hollywood hack courtesy of one of our listeners. But first, an update. In episode 76, we talked about how we were surviving, barely, but surviving, our professional hell month. And we asked all of our listeners what their hell month is. Yes, and we got tons of response, both in our Facebook group, which you can join by uh, searching Facebook for Happier in Hollywood, um, and we got tons of emails. So um, Victoria said, Hell Month, or is in my world, March at the end of skating season. In previous years, I've had to assess and write up report cards for about 100 skaters. Yes. So, and then knew? I know, right? I did not have any idea that there's a skating season. Even. No, I didn't either. It's fascinating. Um, so after Victoria posted that, it just spawned a whole chain of comments yes. of people chiming in about their own personal hell months. Yeah, Laura said um, her hell month is December. She's a music teacher and a church musician. So that makes sense. There's yeah. tons of recitals around the holidays. Um, and then uh, Hannah said that her hell months are July and August. She said, I run a dog boarding facility, so summer is absolute hell. <laughs> Endless booking requests, lots of crazy dogs, lots of angry people when I tell them we book four plus months in advance for summer stays. And it's also my hell time because of all the fun things I miss out on because I'm working nonstop. Of course, we identify with that. Yes, because a lot of times December is our hell month when we're developing. This year it was October, but oftentimes it's December and we miss out on fun Christmas stuff. And then when we have a show, the summer is our hell time, although it really landed in October. But we never get to do anything fun in the summer. No. Sorry about that, Hannah. Mm -hmm. And then Jenny commented, when I was working at a food bank, it was more like hell season. September is Hunger Awareness Month, which fed into October when we prepared for our biggest fundraiser, which fed into the holiday season, the season where people are abundantly generous. The food bank would not survive without those four crazy months, but they were rough. That's Mm. interesting, isn't it? But thank goodness for all those people who are making for those difficult months. Um, And then, Sarah, we also heard from Colleen, a dentist, who said her hell month is December because everyone wants to get their teeth (laughs) cleaned before their insurance turns over in the new year. And also that's when college kids are home and their parents force them to go to the dentist. 
Um, so she says she schedules all of her holiday festivities early in the month because she knows she'll get too tired later in December. Wow. And then Elizabeth emailed about her health season. She's a nurse practitioner, and her health season is November through March, a.k.a. flu season. Yeah, she says they see twice as many patients as usual in the urgent care clinic where she works, and she wanted to remind us all to get flu shots. Yes. Which you and I did at work for free, and we're now very smug about the fact that we've gotten our flu shots. Yes, and Violet got her flu shot a couple weeks ago at her pediatrician. Jack still needs to get his flu shot. So that is Mm. on the agenda. Yes, that's our PSA for the day. Everyone get a flu shot. And thank you guys. Whoops, can't say guys. Thanks, everyone, (laughs) for telling us all about your hell months. We are ecstatic that it's November and ours is done. God, we are. (sighs) Never been so happy to see November in my life. Never. Okay, Sarah, it's time for From the Treadmill Desks of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And today it's how to have better conversation. Yeah, this is so important, both in life and in a professional setting. Yeah, I mean, good conversation can lead to all sorts of good things. Um, In the context of being a Hollywood TV writer, it can definitely lead to jobs. For sure. Uh, Because we talk a lot about networking, but you can't just show up somewhere. You have to then engage with people. And if you're a good conversationalist or perceived as a good conversationalist, you it will definitely lead to opportunities. Yes. Like I think about the uh, fateful event we've talked about many times where you bicycled down the beach to meet Bob Fisher, you know, 20 years ago or something. Um, If you had not been a good conversationalist, you would not have struck up a friendship with him. And he was a really pivotal person in our career and is a friend still. Yes. So good right. job, Liz. Thank you. Well, you know, I do work on my conversation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I pride myself. You know what's weird about conversation, and this is why I like we're about to talk about this, is sometimes it's really easy to be a good conversationalist and you're just on and it flows, like luckily that day with Bob. Other times, it's like I can't think of a word to say. Like I just sit mute, like racking my brain for a way to get into a conversation or to be charming, and I got nothing. So when we saw this article um, in the New York Times, three tips to have better conversations, I was like, okay, I need to file all this away so that when I'm in those times when I don't know how to get going, I can sort of revert back to this. That's a really good idea. Now, the article has a few pieces of uh, the article has a few pieces of advice, and the first one, first of all, we'll link to the article on our on yes. our website, Happier in Hollywood. But the first one is to know the tiers of conversation. And this is really fascinating to me. According to the article, there are three tiers. And tier one is safe. um, And it's sports, weather, celebs, kind of shared cultural experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, And then tier two is a little bit more controversial, politics, dating, love. And then tier three is intimate topics, family, work, money, health, um, it's interesting. I feel like in this day and age, politics is sort of tier three. Um, oh, yeah. But it's it's a good I'd way to politics kind of— politics is tier five. Tier five. <laughs> it's like— Whole other level. Yeah. <laughs> True. And I'd say health is now tier one because everyone talks about their health incessantly. Certainly in L.A. it's tier Yeah, one. maybe that's an L.A. thing. Yeah. Um, Another thing the article talks about, and this is, I think, the best advice, and this is what you can fall back on when you don't know what to say. Uh 
be more interested to be more interesting. That means not just nodding and thinking about what you're going to say next, but actually listen and have an opinion about what the other person is saying um, and asking them questions. I mean, the best thing to do is just ask someone questions because if they, if you're asking them questions and you, they're answering and telling you all about themselves, what's going on in their life, a lot of times they'll walk away, and I'm sure I'm guilty of this as well, saying, wow, what a great conversation, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and that's such an easy way to draw someone out. It is, but it's hard sometimes to think of those questions when you're face-to-face with someone and you're feeling mm. intimidated or, you know, just kind of in your own head. It's really difficult in some conversations to get out of that mode. Yeah. Um, which is why sometimes I will prepare questions in advance. Mm, really? I will think of things that that I might have in common with someone so that I go in with questions like already like in my lockbox of my brain. Like, okay, we have all of our kids went to camp. So mm. I can ask about what camp people's kids mm-hmm. went to, you know, just like that kind of thing so that I'm ready to go if I get overwhelmed. You know, in terms of like the listening part of it is like I think that's was Bill Clinton's big thing. He was yeah. known as being this amazing listener, like really feeling like he's listening to you. Yeah. Um, and so but it is that thing where if you're in your head thinking, OK, what's my next question? What can I ask? You're not just directly responding. Right. I mean, this is a lesson we've tried to learn with interviewing people. Um, you know, which we do on the podcast is listening is the key to a great interview. But a lot of times it's hard to listen because you're trying to prepare for your next question. So that to me is an ongoing sort of evolving um, ability. It is. It's really hard to sort of um, ask what the next logical question is because you're being a good listener as opposed to just asking what's next on our list of questions. Exactly. Um, now, here is a conundrum that mm. um, comes up quite often, which is an obvious question to ask someone is, what do you do? Yeah. Meaning, what do you do for a living? Mm-hmm. Um, but that is a dicey question. It is a dicey question. And so I think a lot has been made of not asking. Right. Because it's like, well, if someone doesn't work, then they're put on the spot. Or if someone is unemployed Or if they don't like their job, they don't want to talk about what they do. Right. But I find, because this happened to me recently Mm. at a kindergarten mom's event that I went to, um, because I feel like I can't ask, my conversation, I feel like, gets stilted. Right. Because it is such a basic part of who we are. A lot of people do have a lot of identification with their jobs and their careers. And if you can't ask that... Like, I feel like I'm, like, holding back from asking something really important about them. Well, Sarah, this goes to one of your um, Hollywood hacks, which is to Google someone. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because if you know who's going to be there, you could actually know that and then go, oh, you're an anesthesiologist. What hospital do you work at? Right. If you know it already. If you know. But it has to not seem weird that you know. Well, that's true. (laughs) That's Um, the tricky part. It's never easy. Yeah. But I did find that, like, once— uh, a particular mom who I was talking to was an anesthesiologist. I can't say anesthesiologist. She was an anesthesiologist. And once she said that, then it opened up like a whole – I didn't ask. She just volunteered it. Mm. Thank God. And then it opened up a whole new avenue of conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, what my sister, Gretchen, um, she thinks you should say, what's been keeping you busy? 
Uh, but you and I find that to be a little bit of a forced question. Yeah. It doesn't feel natural. I think if it flows for you, uh-huh. wonderful, and I envy you. Uh-huh. But it does feel like I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know how to make that roll trippingly from my tongue. I think I feel like I've gone back to like 1955. What's been keeping you busy? It, right. just, it, you know what I mean? It feels a little bit quaint. Right, I right. Think, that's the funny. problem. And maybe, again, that's an L.A. thing. Okay, third tip is don't hog the conversation. And that kind of goes along with make sure you ask people questions. It's mm-hmm. like don't make every single thing anybody says about yourself. And there are the I think I can tend to do that, honestly. I, I think can, everyone does that. You know, it's just human nature. Yeah. But it is true. It can be annoying if you say something and then someone's like, oh, well, I went to, you know, it's like. I, I went to Yosemite. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you know, and then, and, and then it just seems like they always need to talk about themselves. Um, we in our business know people who will l- literally sit down and talk about themselves for 45 minutes without— 45, uh, that's, I mean— You know, well, yes. <laughs> Just to start. Yeah. <laughs> um, without taking a breath. Yeah. And I I will literally lose my mind. Oh, no, you, like, glaze over. Uh, I, uh, Me, too. I, I, I'm just like, I have to get out of here. Yeah. I have to get out of here. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know— <laughs> So hogging the conversation, that is just the biggest turnoff. <laughs> it is. And a lot of times it's people who you feel like you can't, like, walk out on. Yes. <laughs> that is very true. Um, so, look, I think we all could improve our conversation. I always say to Jack, I'm like, you need to work on the art of conversation. Yeah. Like, not everyone your whole life is going to want to talk about Fortnite, which is a, a very popular <laughs> video game. Like, right now, that's great conversation. But you need to be able to talk to people about other things. So we're always trying to coach him on, you know, asking questions, saying, how are you? How was your summer? All that. So it starts at a young age. It does. Now, do you have any sort of stock areas where you're encouraging, Jack? I ask selfishly. Um. Wait, what do you mean? Well, just like talk about the weather. Talk about... Yes. We say like ask people, how was your weekend? What did you do this weekend? Like, again, like I said, how was your summer? Uh-huh. Like, where are you going for Christmas vacation? You know, things like that. He doesn't listen to us, by the way. Well, but I'm still going to steal it and try yeah. it with Violet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we're trying. And then, of course, encouraging listening. That's the other thing. I think with kids especially, it's yeah. hard. It's hard for grownups. Yeah. So... Yeah, being listening. a better listener, we could all improve on. And to that end, you know, I'm a terrible interrupter. I just interrupt people all the time. It's just, it's, it's like um, a flaw just that I have. So I'm, I try to work on it, but I improve not at all. I think it's a hazard of being in a writer's room. I really do. Maybe you know, it can be kind of a melee. Yeah, um, and we are just used to that way of communicating. Yes. Luckily, you don't mind that I interrupt so much. <laughs> and vice versa. <laughs> In conclusion, be attentive. Make engaged expressions also important. Repeat yeah. what you've heard. Repeat what you heard and ask questions. If you notice something you want to say, don't say it. Challenge it and go back to listening. Mm, if you notice something you want to say, don't say it. Yes. That's hard. Yeah, I like okay. that. But good advice. All right. Oh, and by the way, Sarah, before we go away from this topic, Mary pointed out that she notices when guys are trying to just ask lots of questions uh, and draw her out back when she was in the dating scene because she knows that that's what they do to try to, like, 
get girls' defenses down. <laughs> That's how they win their way in. So if someone was overly interested in the conversation, that would be a red flag for her. Um, so, you know, you don't want to be – you don't want to ask so many questions that you seem inauthentic. That's good advice. All right, Liz, now it's time for a segment we call LVS, in which we discuss slash debate something we may not see eye to eye on. And today, that is remodeling your home. Yes. Well, specifically, we're really talking about whether or not you should remodel your home. Yes, we are. Because, I mean, <laughs> remodeling in general is, I, I, you know, I have thoughts on remodeling in general, but really more interesting to me is you and your specific situation and whether or not you should remodel. Mm. As you know, I've just gone through and I'm still going through right. like a three-year <laughs> renovation. Okay. So granted, I have some renovation baggage. Um, but because I've done that, I've also learned a lot. Yes. So tell everyone your house situation. Okay. So I really love my house. I love the location. You have a great house. Um, but if I'm going to make it the way I want it, it's going to be a ton of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking of moving. I started looking, you know, on Redfin and Zillow and all of those places. Um, and I just thought, oh, it would be so nice to just get a house that's done and move in. And then I have to redo the shower in my guest bathroom. Mm-hmm. Because the tiles are, like, falling off the wall. Um, So I went to a tile store, and just picking the tile for the shower in my guest bathroom made me so happy. Because, you know, I completely remodeled the house that I had in Echo Park. And I just forgot how much joy I get from... The, like the design process and being in a tile store and picking things and then seeing them on my wall. And like, it's hellish, but I really enjoy it. And I feel like if I can kind of make my house exactly the way I want it, I might want to stay. Well, here's what I will say. One important point is that what, when you were thinking about moving, your your thing was you read the nature book yeah. and decided you need more nature in your life and True. that your house was sort of fundamentally not situated in nature. Right. And that what you really want is is great green space around your house. Yes. And you were like, my house fundamentally just isn't that house. And so that is what stuck in my mind because I'm like, okay, that's what Sarah wants. And I feel like you could spend a lot of money and a lot of time. And to redo the outside of the house, people don't realize that's like more expensive than redoing the inside. Um, And not have what you want and then have spent all this money when you could find a house that's situated where you want it, i.e. in nice green space, still do the fun cosmetic stuff of new tile, but not have sunk what is surely to be three times the amount you think it'll be. Because your your other house, I have to point out, was much smaller. Yes. Okay, and much more contained. And you didn't do a lot outside. I did the front. I didn't do, well, I did the whole outside of the house, and I did a patio in the front. Okay, well. I didn't do the backyard. Compared to what you're thinking about for this house, trust me, having gone through this, it's nothing. So um, to me, I just think you'd be better off getting a new house, not sinking all this money and time into the house you're in now, and then really having what you want. Well, 
I just want to say the book that Liz is talking about is The Nature Fix by Florence Williams. Mm. Um, Changed your life. I read this book. It really did change sort of how I feel about the environment that I live in, in in a pretty significant way. And I really recommend the book, The Nature Fix. So here's the thing. One, I did a lot more to my other house than than you're thinking of. I did read the entire second floor. I mean, no, the entire you redid upper floor. the whole house, yeah. but it was, I'm just saying it, it was, was a, a smaller, lot smaller house. house. And I'm not going to redo my entire house. Oh, okay, so it's less. Yeah, so it's less. Scale. Yes, exactly. It's probably, it's probably less, honestly, overall. Um, I just want to redo the kitchen and I want to redo the outside. So the question for me is, because my house is dark, one of the things that really bugs me about my house that I didn't realize would bug me mm. is that it's dark. And there are a couple things that I can do pretty easily to open up and make it really light. Mm. So for me, the question is, can I make it lighter? And two, can I get that sense of nature, Mm -hmm. you know, by adding basically a shit ton of trees? Right. Um, Which is not cheap, obviously. But I have the space. Yes. Like right now I have a, a pretty big backyard. It's just all cement. And I feel like if I could really re-landscape and re-envision it to make it a beautiful, green, luscious space, I'll never be in the hills. I'll never have like a view of the valley. But I feel like I could make the space a warm, natural, encompassing space. Mm -hmm. And you're right. I'll never be able to like walk to a hiking trail, which I had in Echo Park and I loved it so much. But, like, you can't walk to a hiking trail, no. can you? No, but it's not as important to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if I can walk right. to a hiking trail. Here's what I'll say. If there's anyone who lives in L.A. who's listening to this and you can walk to a hiking trail, please tell me where you live. Mm, what neighborhood? Yes, because oh, that is an area that I would want to go to. I mean, I'm still open to going mm-hmm. either way. I think if I found, like, the, the per- best house— uh-huh. In a place with a hiking trail that Violet and I could walk to that's affordable. Right. That being the key Yes, thing, the affordable. key word being affordable. Right now I feel like I have, I can definitely afford to remodel moving to the house that I want. I'm not sure I can. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, it's a real toss-up. I will just point out one other thing about if you moved versus remodeling, which is moving is a lot faster and you want to be able to, to have people over. I mean, it's a whole issue when you're starting at a new school, you're making friends, Violet's making friends, and entertaining, is, as I have found, and I've discussed this on yeah. uh, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, is the best way to solidify friendships. Yeah. So what I want is for you to have people over. And right now you keep saying, oh, I don't want to have people over. My house isn't where I want it to be. So I think if you, you either need to commit to having people over regardless of what your house looks like, yes, or move. You know what, Liz? This moves us seamlessly to our Hollywood hack. Oh, it doesn't? Yes, but we will discuss that after our ad break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. 
Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, now it's time for this week's Hollywood hack, which, as we just said, is totally connected to uh, whether I should remodel or not. Um, And it is from one of our listeners, Melanie, who has crappy dinner parties. This is like the best thing I've ever heard. So good. She says, every Sunday night, we have something called crappy dinner party. Each family takes turns hosting and providing the main dish, usually something easy like roast chicken or a pot of chili. The rest of us bring whatever we have on hand. No grocery trips allowed. The host family is not to clean or do anything special to prep for the dinner. There are 18 of us, including kids ranging from third grade to high school freshmen. We start around 5 o'clock and end by 7, giving us all time to go home and prepare for the week. Let's face it, Mondays are hard, and Sunday night can be sort of depressing. (laughs) Our goal is to have a cozy, home-cooked meal and catch up with one another in a low-stress, supportive environment. CDP, which of course is crappy dinner party, helps set the tone for the week ahead, and I really find myself revitalized afterward. I mean, what's not to love? amazing. I mean, if I could do this then it wouldn't matter if I remodeled or if I moved. Yes. It takes all the pressure off. And I love that there are 18 people who have this level of just like, hey, let's get together. No judgment. We do our thing. We have fun. We go home. Because what is so true that I tell myself over and over again is no one cares what your house looks like. They really don't. What they really want is to talk and to be with people and um, to eat. Right. So it doesn't matter what your house looks like. Yeah. So if if I, I was going to say if you, but let's face it, if I could let go of that sense of like, I can't have anyone over mm-hmm. because like there are boxes from Amazon that I haven't opened and, you right. know, um, then I wouldn't have this problem. I would just have a nice Sunday night. Yeah. I need to start having dinners. Crappy <sighs> dinner parties all the way. Crappy dinner party. I love it. Me too. Thank you, Melanie. The only thing is I have to go to the grocery store because I'm going to have to buy whatever I bring because I don't have anything in my fridge. That's what Instacart is for. Oh, okay. (laughs) And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks to our producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. And thanks to the awesome ad team at Anaply. Thank you to our assistant, Mary Merkins, for helping us survive Hell Month, which is now over. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S. Fain. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it when it's not October. So what are you going to redo exactly? Well, like the kitchen. Uh-huh. The kitchen and the backyard, like, from scratch. Then I want to take out a wall upstairs 
and add a patio with a sauna upstairs. Oh, my gosh. It sounds like a lot to me. And maybe a couple bathrooms. (laughs) All right. We'll talk after a couple (laughs) years and see how you're doing. Okay.